thank you for being here this morning. You make it a lot easier to have church being here. And, and I realize that a lot of people have, uh, they're, they're just trying to get every bit out of this Christmas holiday that they can. And we're just glad that you are here this morning. I'm not sure how you celebrate or what you did last night, but what it looks like at the Replog House is about 10 o'clock, we were down and we were done. That's about what it looks like for us. And then like right around midnight when the fireworks started going off, our dog Sadie started just barking up a storm. And it was kind of like this. Happy New Year, honey. Thank you, honey. Shut up, Sadie. And then we went back to sleep. That was our New Year's Eve celebration right there. Um, and that was enough. That's, that's enough hoopla for me right there. Um, but Happy New Year. You all get gold stars this morning for being here the first Sunday of the year. Congratulations. Great job. I'm just proud of you for making this a priority in your life. And so, so today we're starting this series called Resolution Revolution. It's kind of a term that we came up with. We were thinking about this back in November because when you look ahead to this new year, what's everybody want to do? They want to kind of hit the reset button in different areas of the life. And there's, there are specific things that typically seem to be hot buttons, right? Hot topics, things that you want to make happen. And, um, it's either, it's either fitness or finances or relationships or uh, spiritual commitment and all of that. And they're all so good. My resolutions for 2017 are the ones that I should have kept for 2016 which probably should have been done in 2015 that I probably wrote down in 2014. It's kind of how we are, right? And so what I'm hoping to accomplish is, is to get, number one, get you thinking about what you, what, I, what, what you want your life to look like. Because that's why we resolve to do stuff, is to, is to change who we are, change what it looks like to be who we are, and at least put some time and effort into thinking what that needs to look like. And then from that, decide, okay, where do I start? So today, we're just calling this start here. I mean, this is, this is what this Sunday is about, is just start here. And we're going to take a look at this incredible, iconic individual in the Old Testament, Moses. And we're going to kind of look at some things that he went through with his call and where he was going and how that can impact the decisions that we make, and who we become. But here's the truth. Many of us fear making resolutions or setting goals, not because they're not worthy, not because they're not a good idea, but because we fear we will fail and not finish. But, you know, a corresponding truth to that is you're never going to finish something you don't start, right? So, if you want to become fit and healthy, what does that look like for you? Where, where does that start for you? And that's obviously something that a lot of us battle. And then, okay, if you want a healthier relationship with your spouse, what does that look like? How does, how does that begin to happen? If you want stronger friendships that challenge you, how does that happen? You want to be more generous. You want to be able to do more with what you have. You want to make a difference in other people's lives, 
in a very real, tangible way. What does that look like for you? So, so these are all admirable, goal, admirable goals. I wish we had the time this morning to where we could actually do a little exercise and you write down some things that you want to change about who you are or, or what you are and what you want to look like, what you want your life to look like in 12 months, and then revisit that again next year. So you fast forward all the way to the end of the year, and I find it very helpful. If that's where you want to be, then this is where we need to start. So that's kind of where we are. So this month in the series, we're going to tackle some of these topics like, like finances and like relationships and service. These are things that we're going to try and wrap our brains around a little bit to where whatever resolution we make, whatever commitment we make, or wherever we think we need to go, it's something that actually happens, right? That's kind of what we want to have as a result of this month during the resolution revolution series that we're in. So what better person? I mean, Moses, uh, Charlton Heston, right? Just a hero of the faith. And I may have just dated myself because some of you are going, who? Oh my goodness, that hurts my feelings because, I mean, Charlton Heston, the iconic Moses of what was that, the 1950s or 60s, something like that, you know, the Ten Commandments? Anyway, he just made a good Moses, that's all I'm saying. But in Hebrews chapter 11, you have this chapter called the, the, the Hall of Faith. And everybody that's mentioned in this chapter did something incredible for God, and they stepped out on faith. And almost every character in that chapter, their story starts off with, by faith so-and-so did such-and-such, and And Moses is no exception. And we look at Moses and it says this, And by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward." And that, those are the last couple of words there, recompense of the reward, is all one, one Greek word. And it simply means this, that, that it was the payoff at the end. So he had respect. He had a lot of respect for whatever the payoff would be if he followed Christ rather than stayed as a pharaoh in Egypt. And if you're unfamiliar with Moses' life, you can break it up into three 40-year segments. His first 40 years was spent in royalty in Egypt. Then his next 40 years was spent on the backside of the desert, is what the Bible says. He was, he was as far away as you could get. And he was a sheep herder. So the defining moment here from when he went to royalty to being a sheep herder was that he felt like God was calling him to do something and identify with the people of Israel. That's who he was. He was an adopted son. And he struck a man and killed him. And it didn't go out the didn't, the whole thing didn't happen the way he thought. So he fled Egypt. He ran away, ended up 40 years in the desert. And then the next 40 years is the journey through the wilderness. So that's, you know, when he actually was able to, to um, see the people of Israel freed from Egypt. And then he led them through the wilderness. He never got into the promised land. That's another, that's another story. But I don't know that, that Moses ever really saw where his life was going. He didn't know his life was going to be broken up into three 40-year segments like we know today because we can look back in history. 
he saw the first 40 years of his life as a complete failure. And here he was in this 40 years, and now he is 80 years old, and he's out tending sheep. And he noticed some, I mean, now, this is incredible. He just, he notices something, and that is a burning bush. And a voice comes out of the burning bush, and God speaks to Moses literally out of the burning bush. In Exodus chapter 3, you have this beautiful story um, and of, of God basically convincing Moses he needs to leave the backside of the desert and go back into Egypt. And so God's plan was to send Moses back to Egypt to let Pharaoh know that it was enough. You've had the Israelites there long enough. Now you need to let my people go. But what I want to get across here is there was a time in the life of Moses where he not only felt like a complete failure, but he was hiding. Like he was hiding from all that used to be. And I can identify with failure because we all have failed somewhere in our life. But as you look at God speaking to Moses out of this burning bush, every scripture we read from here on out is actually God speaking to Moses and interacting with him out of this burning bush. Moses hadn't gone anywhere yet. Moses is still right there. This is the start here part of what Moses was going to do with with the rest of his life. And so here we are. We're going to take three principles out of Exodus chapter 3 and 4. This calling of Moses And we're going to apply it to whatever it is we want to become or whatever it is we feel like God wants to do in and through us. And the first thing is this. You need to start where you are. You just need, I mean, we can all do that, right? We need to start where we are. So here we are in Exodus chapter 3. And this is such a great conversation. I would encourage you to just go home and read chapters 3 and 4 of the book of Exodus and just see this conversation going back between God and Moses and Moses and God. So here is Moses and God talking. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? In other words, God, what are my qualifications? I mean, you see who I am. I blew it, right? I'm a fugitive of justice. I killed somebody, and I'm a fugitive of justice. Now I am on the backside of the desert hoping never to be found. And you want me to go back into Egypt where I was a complete failure and tell the Pharaoh to let millions of your people go. And then here's what God says, and he said, certainly, (laughs) I'll be with you. Uh, He didn't even address Moses' concern. He didn't rationalize with Moses. He simply said, I'll be with you. So here's the principle here. It doesn't matter so much where you are in life when you know who you are with. And so Moses' question about how in the world can I do it, you want me to do it? No, no is answered not by reasoning, not by God saying this is going to happen. He just says, I will be with you. So I don't know what it is you want to become or who God wants you to be or what God wants to do in and through your life, but God's not as interested in your excuses. 
He's just interested in you knowing that I am going to be with you through this. And if it's a call that God has on your life, then I'm with you. Maybe you feel unworthy because of past mistakes, much like Moses. Maybe you are so far behind financially, you'd have, <laughs> you're so far under your finances, you can't even see the bottom. Maybe you're facing big decisions and are just unsure of which way to go. Maybe you experienced loss this year, death, divorce, job law. I don't know what your life has looked like in 2016. But start where you are. So, Eric, this is how I see myself in a year. This is where I want to end up. This is what I want to look like because this is where I see God bringing me. Then here's where you start. You start over here. You start where you are. I mean, what else are you going to do, right? You start where you are. What other options do you have? I think it's important for us to realize that not only is God for us, but God is with us. And you understand the difference. God's not on the sidelines rooting you on. God is with you making the play. God is not just on your side saying you can do it. God is with you, enabling you to get it done. So start where you are. Second of all, I love this. Use what you have. So I don't know what it is you feel God has in mind for you to do or what your life needs to look like or what resolutions you need to make. But I love what happened with Moses. So here Moses is throwing all of these excuses to God. And he says this. He said, and Moses answered and said, behold, they won't believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord has not appeared unto you. And the Lord said unto him, What's in your hand? And Moses looked at him and said, It's a rod. It's great that God didn't have to look very far for Moses to find something that God could use. The rod was part of his everyday carry, his EDC, right? It was, it was part of what he had on him. It's what he had done for a living. He always had that rod with him. And I love the fact that God did not look very far to find something that he could show Moses that he could use. So if God were to look into your life right now and say, I can use this about you, what it is that you have, who it is that you are, what would be the first thing that would come to your mind that God can and would love to use to make you who you need to be or to help you accomplish what you need to do. Use what you have. Maybe you feel like you have nothing to offer. You are so wrong. You just don't see what it is you have to offer. I mean, here is Moses leaning on his staff, talking with God with his shoes off. And God mentions the thing that's closest to him. Now, if you're not familiar with the story, what happened was God said, all right, now take that rod and throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake. And then God told Moses, now pick the snake up again by the tail. And Moses reached down and picked the snake up, and it became a rod again. And he was showing Moses the miraculous power when God is part of the plan. What can potentially happen with everyday and ordinary things that we have? Because here's the truth. What you have is exactly what God uses. Folks, doesn't that encourage you? 
that what you have is exactly what God wants to use? But I don't know what it is that you have, what it is that God is trying to get you to do or trying to get you to become, but God has given it to you and God wants to use it. If you're good at repairing things, God can use you. If you're good with kids, God can use that. If you love to fix things, if you're good with computers, if you have been through a lot of problems in life, maybe you can become a good mentor for somebody. Maybe you've had some tough things happen. Maybe you're just friendly. God can use all of that as far as who you are, use what you can. So start where you are, use what you have, and then thirdly, do what you can. It's not as hard as it is, as we're trying to make it. It's it's not as hard as we make it out to be. This thing of serving the Lord, of sticking with our resolutions, it's not a one-year commitment. It's what's the next thing. Do what you can next. I love this passage. So you, you jump ahead a chapter in chapter 4, and Moses is coming up with another excuse, and it says this, and Moses said to the Lord, I'm not eloquent. Oh, my Lord, I'm, I'm, I, I don't speak well, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Now, I don't know what his problem was, if he had a hard time getting the words processed, if it was something that happened after he left. Maybe the traumatic event caused something to happen. Maybe he stuttered. I don't know what the problem was, but he is making it very clear to God, I am not your man to go to Pharaoh and demand that he let all the Israelites go because I don't speak well. I love what God says. And the Lord said unto him, who made man's mouth? Right? That slow tongue you're complaining about, I put it there. And he says, or who makes the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and will teach you what, you're, what you should say. Now, this, kind of, this conversation kind of goes on. And eventually what God does is he sends, he sends Aaron, Moses' brother, to go with him. Because Aaron apparently spoke better. But then when you see them in front of Pharaoh, it's always Moses doing the talking. It's like Aaron was just there for moral support. But we're so good at coming up with excuses, aren't we? Man, I love excuses. I love procrastination. I'm just being real with you. Because excuses and procrastination make me feel good about not doing anything. That's the way, I mean, that's who we are. We feel good. If we can come up with a reason why we can't do it or a way to do it later, it just makes us feel like we've actually accomplished something when nothing has actually happened. We love excuses. And so did Moses. Excuses are great. They give us permission to do nothing, but they just don't accomplish anything. And they prevent us from becoming who we're meant to be and living the life God wants us to live. So how do you make something happen? How do you go from just wanting to be thinner to being thinner? How do you go from financially strapped to financially free? How do you go from meaningless relationships to meaningful relationships? (laughs) Here's what God was telling Moses. You be you. Let me be me. You just take the next step. Moses, 
you just be who you are, because I made you that way, and you let God be God, and your job is just to take the next step. Now, I don't know what the next step is for you. In whatever area of life you feel like, I need to make a change in order to become who God wants me to be. But whatever the next step is, is all that is required of you. God is not asking you to figure out what step number 28 is. God is asking you to figure out what step number one is. And God made it very clear to Moses here. Am I going to run a marathon next week? No. Unequivocally, no, but I can go for a walk today. Right? Like one thing that I've, I've committed to Melissa, we're, we're going to, we, I'm not going to commit you. I'm going I'm to I'm walk 1,000 miles this year. Sounds impressive, right? It's only three miles a day. Like, yeah, every day, so I can't get behind, so I got to do it today. Right? <laughs> Crap. <sighs> so it's like, but I, I can't necessarily run a marathon, right? But I can go for a walk today, right? You may not be able to heal your marriage today, but you can apologize today. What's the next step is what I'm saying. What is the next? Yeah, have the long-term goal. Let my people go. But all I need you to do right now is go. Right? (laughs) Are you going to become wealthy today? Financially independent? Free from having to go to work every day? Probably not. Unless you got a lucky scratch-off ticket. Don't recommend that. But you could sign up for Financial Peace University. And start that journey. That's the next step you could do. Are you going to be a missionary one day? Maybe. Right now, probably not. Teach a Bible class? I don't know. Maybe. Today, probably not. But you could help in children's church. You could find some place of service, pass out bulletins, do something. There's always a next step. Mother Teresa said this, if you can't feed 100 people, then just feed one. Just do the next thing that you can do. Listen, you've got one shot at 2017. You've got one shot at your life, at creating a legacy for your children, for your grandchildren. You have one shot at life. Are you happy with what you've made of it so far? Are there challenges ahead? Are there things that you need to change? Absolutely there are. So start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. And take the next step to becoming who it is that God wants you to be. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you and we are... Just grateful for the relationship that we now enjoy because of the sacrifice of your son. But I don't for a second believe that this is all there is. Just that we're supposed to become a child of God and then just live our life and never improve and never become better. 
And I pray, Father, that you would help us create more meaning in our lives by looking to you for purpose. That you'd help us to start doing what it is you've called us to become. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.